Welcome to the Reading Blues podcast, the place to find out more about the school and to connect with staff, pupils and parents at a deeper level. Each week we'll be interviewing people within the school community, asking them questions and spending time understanding more about them and more about the school. So let's get into this episode right now of the Reading Blues podcast. So, Mr. Lammercroft, thank you for being here and welcome to this episode of the podcast. How are you today? I am good. Thank you very much, Simon. Yep, we're here in the boardroom at school with some inspiring year 12 students. So I'm dying to hear more from them in a moment. But before we switch across to them, just tell us a little bit about the 10 Tours event in a snapshot. If I was a parent listening to this or, or a, a, another student in school listening to this, and I just wanted to know in a snapshot what it's all about, if you give that to us in 20 seconds. So basically the 10 Tours is the pinnacle of the Adventure Education Programme as it currently stands. You have teams of six taking on 35, 45 or 55 mile routes entirely entirely um, self-supported so they start at seven in the morning and they have to finish that distance by five o'clock the next day there are 2400 individuals doing it uh, and it is an exceptionally challenging event for the uh, for the students to do okay and this is the kind of event that year 12 students at school get involved in so i'm dying to hear more about what it was like from a from a student point of view. We're going to jump across to listening firsthand from our students. First of all, Nina, hello and welcome to this podcast episode. I'd love to understand from you what your experience was like as you were preparing for this event, as you're going through some of the training. How do you go about training for something like a 45 mile walk across Dartmoor? Yeah, so what we did, we went on, each of us I think went on two practice expeditions and um uh, Sergio and Eloise went on three of them. As part of that, you know, we went down to Dartmoor, stayed in a youth hostel for some of it, had pub dinners on the first one, not on the ones after that. But yeah, we practiced the navigation, all of us getting training in that. Uh, went on 20 kilometer walks most of the time. We did two camps out, like wild camping, which was freezing and kind of horrible when we woke up. But yeah, no, so we did. Yeah, practice weekends in Dartmoor. Okay, and what was it like doing the training compared to doing the actual event? I mean, did the training prepare you well for the event? Did you start off the event feeling like the training had covered off everything that you needed to know, needed to feel? Or was it still a case of a bit of apprehension just before you're starting those the 45 miles? I think it was really good, the training we did, because it was much more up one hill, down the next, which was much harder than the real thing. Um, because the real thing we started off and it was much flatter you know east into it nicer the routes most of it was on paths rather than through the boggy marshland that Brecon, uh, <laughs> Dartmoor is known for yeah so I think we were very well prepared awesome all right thank you for that and now you've got Sergio there next to you Sergio would you share that experience with Nina was it was it similar for you during that training process yeah I would definitely say it was similar um, when it came to the real thing, as Nina said, it felt a lot easier because the training that we had done was very hard and it was in very tough conditions because it was snowing some of the days and it was bright sunshine on the actual event. So I feel like the training really prepared us and we felt like we could do it well. So given the way that you're talking, I, I imagine some people might think that the training was quite hard. The actual event was almost like a walk in the park, but, but clearly that's not going to be the case at all. And, and, and I can imagine it certainly wasn't the case. So I'd love to understand from Chris, tell me how you felt just as you're setting off on the day itself. 
as you're going through that first mile, knowing that you've got 44 miles to come after that first one? Yeah, it's definitely quite exciting. I'd say it's, um, it's quite scary trying to think of like the scale of it all when you're at the start, because mainly doing like 20K or so in the trainings, thinking about doing 80K is quite a lot, quite a big step up. And so, yeah, it's a bit nerve wracking going off at the start, definitely. Now, Chris, you just mentioned 80K. This is a bit different to the 45-mile figure that we've been talking about. What's the difference between those two then? Well, the 45-mile figure is kind of talking about as the crow flies from checkpoint to checkpoint. But when it comes to planning out the route, it's a bit longer and, you know, you can't go directly to all the checkpoints. So it ends up being a bit longer about 77 to 80k. Wow, so I'm actually doing you all a disservice by saying 45 miles, aren't I? Because it's, it's, it's actually longer than that. So for people listening to this, it's, uh, it's really a case of, of understanding that kind of scale of this event. And Chris, this is over two days, is that right? Yeah, so we started seven on a Saturday, seven in the morning, and we were walking uh, basically till 10 in the evening. So we had to camp overnight and then uh, try and do it all again on the Sunday which is quite daunting on a Sunday morning. Gosh, and this is over a weekend, so it's not even like you're missing two days of school from it either. (laughs) Yeah, going to school on uh, Monday morning was uh, quite tough, for sure. I'll bet it was. Now, Sophie, I'm dying to find out from you. Tell us a little bit, from your point of view, what it was like as you were setting off during that first mile or during those first few kilometres. Tell us how you felt and whether or not you'd ever done anything at all like this before. I felt really nervous because it was such a big event. It wasn't what I was expecting at all. And the whole walking 80k was a bit daunting because we hadn't done that before. But yeah, it was good. Very hot though. That didn't help at all. So in some ways, was it more tough being, you know, a sunny day and, and being hot? Or would it have been easier if it was cooler and a little bit of rain coming down even? I think it would have been easier if it was not as hot, but still not too cold. Because we did some training walks where it was snowing almost, and that was not fun. (laughs) Yeah, I can imagine that wasn't very fun. Well, we're going to jump across to Eloise now. Eloise, thank you for dialing in from home for this. Tell us how you felt in the first, maybe in the first third compared to the second third i just want to try to imagine that i'm sort of inside your feelings right now regarding this particular event was was the first third a tough section or was the middle third a tougher section to be in i think during the first third our adrenaline was racing and especially from the start line we were walking at five kilometers an hour which is we were only expecting four kilometers an hour so we were getting to checkpoints ahead of time even an hour ahead of what we were what we were expecting so in the first third we were all feeling pretty good actually and then as it got longer as we went into the second and third third feet were starting to hurt we all had blisters on our feet and um I think tiredness and also when you start you have the it's 45 miles oh god but it's when you start to get halfway through and you're thinking we've walked so far already and we're only halfway through we've still got so much further to go so the first third was definitely definitely way easier gosh right gosh now nina i'd love to come back and ask you another question about this at the end of day one let's just imagine that i'm thinking about this from people listening to this let's imagine then that you've you've walked all of that distance i'm going to imagine that at that point you've walked what around about what 28 30 miles would that be around about right yeah that's right so we went we tried to go for two thirds in the first day 
so that we had less to do on the second day. Okay. And then you've got the task of putting up your tent. Is that right? How did you feel at that stage? Yeah, that was <laughs> for me. When we were finishing the walk on the first day, I was like, oh my gosh, all I want to do is just collapse into my bed and just fall asleep. And the thought of, you know, it's not only the tent you've got to put up, you've got to find the right point for the tent. You've got to then put your sleeping bag out, put your roll mat down, and then you've got to cook your food, set the transit up, eat the food, get into your sleeping bag, fall asleep. Like it all just, yeah. I think that as well was a bit where the mental side of the challenge really came in. And it was no longer, oh, my feet hurt. It's like, oh my gosh, I'm exhausted but I've got to keep going. Mm. What food did you cook? Do you remember? I had like a spicy quinoa sort of bowl thing. I think other people had spaghetti bolognese, but like the dried version in a packet where you just pour the water in. Yeah, it was not great. (laughs) Okay. And you mentioned there about the, the mental challenge of this. Tell us a bit more about the physical challenge of something like this compared to the mental challenge side of things. Yeah. So obviously you go into it and you're thinking, oh, okay, it's going to be difficult. My legs are going to hurt. What I found shocking though, is that although we were going up and down the hills and you'd think it would be your legs that would go first, it was by far the feet were the most painful bit. Even in the first day, like by the end, we were all sort of hobbling along. My toes had like scrunched to the end of my shoes and like my toenails. That was the other thing. When we did stop and camp, we all like took our shoes off and like revealed our feet. It was just not a pretty sight. All of the toenails were crushed and bruises and blisters and all of that. So that in itself is weird for the mind because you're thinking, well, I was thinking, how is this good for the body? There's no way that, you know, people are supposed to do this. Um, But yeah, so the mental challenge was, I think, being exhausted, waking up the next day, knowing, you know, we've got to go again. But at the same time, because there were so many teams doing the challenge all over Dartmoor the whole time, you could sort of see other teams in the distance and all the groups are really friendly to each other as well. So if you were sort of struggling and going slower, there'd be other groups saying, oh, you know, good luck, keep going. You could do this and then you'd overtake them. And then, yeah, it would just be, it was, it was a nice atmosphere, but a challenge. And is this, I mean, you mentioned about the other groups being involved. Is, is it a race to get to the end as quickly as possible against the other teams? Or, or is it just a case of everyone's in it for their own team? In it for your own team. This is a joke the whole time. <laughs> Everyone says it's not a race because, yeah, I think finishing it in the time is such a big achievement in itself. And that racing it is almost unnecessary. You might as well have a steadier pace, have a more well, enjoyable might be pushing it, but, you know, have a better time doing it and don't rush to the end. So thanks for that, Nina. So, Chris, I'd love to understand from you then. Tell us how it felt on day two when you woke up in the morning and you're thinking, right, here we go again. And here I am out sleeping in a tent. Yeah, because we woke up in the morning, I think, at four o'clock in the morning. So we really didn't get much sleep at all. So we weren't really very well rested. And like you'd hope that the feet would be feeling a bit better, but they're still very sore. And so um, the prospect of having to kind of get going again wasn't a pleasant one at all. And then how did it feel once you actually got going, you know, the, the first, let's say the first five miles on day two? Talk us through that. I think when we first got going, it wasn't great. 
but we did get into it get into our stride a little bit a few k in i'd say and in terms of these checkpoints are there are there regular checkpoints all the way through on day one and on day two yes yeah, so there's checkpoints all the way through they're all about um well they range from about 2k apart to i think 8k apart was the longest one so mm. getting to the checkpoints was mentally quite rewarding just to try tick them off on the list going through all of them so mm, with 16 no. checkpoints in total okay and sergio tell me what you would say is the toughest part of doing all of this because so far it i mean none of it is sounding very appealing uh, to me sat in, in in this nice warm house right now what would you say is the toughest part of the whole thing i would say the toughest part as nina and chris have kind of spoken about is on the sunday when you wake up your feet are hurting when you first get going every step you take is painful and it's just trying to combat the mental the mental challenges that you face to try and just take what each step at a time and especially as you said the first five miles that was really challenging because you think I still have like 15 20 miles to go I don't know how I'm going to be doing it and it's just when you get into the rhythm of it of walking then you kind of get into it and you're like okay yeah we can we can do this we can get to the end okay tell me about the end then how did it feel to cross over that line at the end so the end it was uh, you could see the end for like a kilometre and a half before you finished. So you, we all got a bunch of adrenaline when we could see the end. Yeah. And then we kept on walking and walking and it felt like that one and a half kilometres went on for ages. But then when we actually finally got there, you had thousands, I would say thousands of supporters uh, <laughs> clapping hundreds, you on. <laughs> hundreds, uh, They were yeah, clapping you on, saying well done. And it just felt like such a good achievement and crossing the finish line. I would say that that was definitely the best part of the whole the whole weekend, and knowing that you can sit on the bus afterwards and just relax. And eating the pasty at the end. Was and quite eating nice. the yeah, we got <laughs> we got a free pasty at the end, and that was really nice. I imagine that was probably the nicest pasty you've ever had in your entire life. <laughs> yeah. yeah, definitely it really was. was. Yeah, because I yeah I think we were all a bit hungry at the end. And yeah, feet killing. So it was really nice to have. Okay, so feet killing can't be a good good position to be in. Although sometimes a bit of pain like that when you've crossed over that line already is a good thing. I'd love to understand about injuries though. Sophie, tell us about injuries. What was your experience of that? So I have a already existing back pain. Not really sure. But as we were walking, it just got worse and worse. So after I think... 30k I had to just stop. So if you tell us how that made you feel if you've done 30k I mean because 30k in itself is is one heck of an achievement how did you feel at that time though? I felt like I could keep going but I shouldn't it was quite a good achievement to get that far because I was thinking about stopping at the checkpoint before but decided to go on anyway. You didn't want your back to keep that. Yeah, you? Yeah. you didn't want to have long-lasting yeah. back injuries afterwards. Did you think about actually not starting it? Because, you know, clearly this isn't uh, an injury that you incurred in the first 30 kilometres. So did you think about actually, you know, whether or not you should be doing this in the first place? No. Because <laughs> it hadn't been that bad on any of our training walks. And at the start, it was fine. And I had painkillers anyway, just in case but they didn't really help further into the actual walk. But you're still glad that you started it? You're still glad you did those 30 kilometres? Yes. 
it was a good experience. Rightly so. I'm glad you said that. And were you there at the finish line for, for when your teammates crossed over that line? Yeah, I got to watch though. I didn't get a medal. <laughs> so you must have had quite mixed emotions at that point, you know, enjoying the fact that you're seeing them coming across the line, but also recognising that, that you weren't one of them at that point. Yeah. I mean, they said my name over the speaker when they were announcing the team. So it was a bit like I am still in the team. I love that. Still being part of the team. That, that's, that's a great way to view it. That really is, Sophie. Um, and Eloise, I understand that you had a bit of an injury as well. Tell us a little bit about yours. Yeah, so I've had a bit of, I've had um, an issue with my back and mainly my hip for just just over a year now. And funnily enough, I'd had an MRI on it not long before 10 tours. And um, on the Wednesday before, I was told I'd torn the cartilage in my hip. So um, that was, and I knew that it had been hurting. And on the last training walk, it was really, really tough. But as we only had five team members when we were meant to start with six, I had no choice but to do it. And then obviously when when Sophie said about her back pain and I was like, oh God, this isn't looking good. And Sophie had to pull out. This is when I think the rest of the team got a bit nervous as well because I was concerned if the, if my hip pain got way worse. But um, when we woke up on the Sunday as well, it was it was really, really bad. And um, Nina had made a comment. She was like, we'll carry you across the finish line if we have to. So I think the team support was really, really important and really appreciated by me. Thanks for enlightening us all with that, Eloise. Really do appreciate that. Mr. Lammercraft, there's been a real uh, element of teamwork that's been discussed here, in particular from Sophie and Eloise. Tell us about your experience of, of how that teamwork is so important, not just at an event like this, but in school life. Yeah, so you're, you're right. The, the team, it was a great team. It was a great privilege to have these guys on all the training uh, exercises and on the event because they really did gel together uh, they really supported each other and that's that's key you know one of the things I'm trying to to teach with the adventure education program is is leadership teamwork you know grit obviously but also empathy and and what you had is you had all those characteristics on display during the 10 tours and they really looked out for each other and the fact that they were able to encourage Sophie to do the 30 kilometers despite her back pain and the incredible feat of endurance, and it really was, you know, really incredible that, that Eloise did, is testament not only to, to Eloise's sort of grit and determination, but also the support that she received from, um, from the rest of the team. Because I'm sure she'll be the first to say without their support and, and kindness, she would have really struggled to do it. And I imagine that with an event like this, that there, there must be times where some of the students are thinking, you know, why am I, why, why am I putting myself through this? But equally, I imagine that after completing something like this, it's very much a sensation of, I'm really glad I did that. Definitely. I mean, it was, for me, what each of these students now have is something that they can draw upon in the future. So whenever they are faced with a challenging situation or whenever they feel that they can't do anything, then they can, they can think about the 10 tours. They can think about how nervous and apprehensive they were before they started, how daunting the the event was and yet they came through so they will always have that in their locker to to drop on and i very much doubt any of them will forget about overcoming all the odds um, for a very long time to come it's i think it was such an important lesson they all had and for me eloise in particular to to have that should be a massive boost to her confidence because what she did was 
with the, the, the pain that she was in was incredible. So final question to our year 12 students, actually, which of you would recommend that other students actually embrace this kind of thing and take it on in the future? I definitely would. I'm so, so glad I've done it. Like crossing the line, coming back and like coming into school on the Monday and just knowing that, oh my goodness, we've done that. No one believed, well, no one thought we could. And we've done it. We've defied the odds and you know definitely felt very surreal when we finished it yeah and there were times definitely where we all felt that why are we doing this during the practices but at the end we realized yeah it's it's a great achievement we'll definitely remember this for the rest of our lives yeah and everything will recover pain is only temporary exactly victory is forever victory is forever And if anyone's listening to this and they wanted to find out more about the 10 tours and to get involved in the next event, how could they go about doing that? Um, well, you can just go onto the 10 tours website, have a look there. We will be, we'll be posting something on the school website in time with all the, the pictures from the training. Uh, we've got lots of write-ups. So you, you'll have quite a, a detailed run-through of everything that we did. Uh, and yeah, it'll be, it'll be great for more people to get involved next year because it, it really is, it really does encapsulate everything that, that we're trying to achieve from the adventure education perspective. And, it's, and they're so important from a, for such an important life skill to be able to sort of cheer on your, your buddies, to encourage and to, to motivate them. And equally, if anyone's got any questions about the whole adventure education program, how could they get in touch with you to find out more about that? Yeah, so just email me at sla at rbcs.org.uk with any questions and I'll be more than happy to, to help. Oh, well, that's great. Well, thank you very much for your time. Thank you, Mr. Lammercraft. Thank you, Sophie. Thank you, Sergio. Thank you, Nina, Chris, and of course, Eloise dialing in from home. I appreciate all of you being here explaining to us what it's like to be as part of this uh, 10 tours event and thank you all for giving up your time especially over lunchtime to explain all of it to us so thank you very much thank you thank you thank you thank you that's it for this episode and thank you for listening to find out more about the school visit the school website rbcs.org.uk now our next episode is coming out soon but in the meantime thank you for listening to this one don't forget to follow or subscribe so you can stay in touch and we look forward to seeing you next time bye for now